I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, lead analyst at Free Dawkins on YouTube, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host. Contributor at Mavs.com. Drafting and stashing. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? All right. So I've talked about this before on this pod, but I mow my own grass. And wow. Wow. Just give it up for Isaac Harris. Mowing his own grass. No, I have a point behind this. I, I mow my own grass. You said it like it was an accomplishment. No. My my <laughs> my address uh, is a drive. Oh, I was- it's like something and then drive and then there's You almost got a whole bunch of random visitors. Yes, like, there's this a, is my address. This is my address. There's another there's another road nearby that's a circle, but there's a house that has the exact same like number and name of the street. And what? so it's like super weird. So it'd be like my street address being like 21 Henderson Drive and then there's a 21 Henderson Circle like right next to me. Oh yeah, yeah. So things get mixed up a lot. So something that's happened over the past like six months to literally six months to a year, every once in a while, I'll show up back from work and my grass is mowed. And I'm like, what the crap's going on? <laughs> and so literally like a month ago, I stopped a crew. And I'm like, hey, I didn't pay. I mow my own grass. I, got, I didn't pay you guys. Like you got the wrong house. And it's like mid grass. So they just finished mowing or whatever. Yesterday, I, <laughs> well, yesterday at the time, I don't know when you're listening to this, but my wife and I, we have our newborn child, or newborn, almost one, all this stuff. And somebody mowed, mowed our grass, left left a bill on my door. And I was like, oh, snap, no. I did not. So I called the company, and I said, I didn't I didn't ask you to mow my grass. And he said, that'll be 40 bucks. What? I'm like, heck no. no. Like, I didn't ask you to do that. And he literally said... <laughs> Did you not hear them mowing the grass outside? Why didn't you go outside and stop them? Oh no, bro! What? <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know what to do about it. I'm not gonna pay the bill, right? I mean, you don't pay it. I didn't ask them to do it. No, no, and you were at work, right? You saw yeah. them one time. You no, no, told, no, no. You... no. I was, I was home for that one. But we just thought somebody was mowing like next door or something. Like, I mean, I've already stopped this crew one time before, like a month ago. So, yeah. So then when we go out for like lunch later on, we go out the door and there's a bill. And I'm like, what the crap? Y'all, why, why did you mow my grass? Like, so I'm not paying. Also, it. 40 bucks to mow your grass. Come on. Yeah. My yard's pretty tiny. I live in a really tiny house. So I'm like, I can mow my grass in like 20 minutes. You live Stop in a tiny the- house? Bro, that's the way to live. Like the TV show? So anyway, I'm not paying it. So sorry. Also, by the way, how, man, that finals was wild. I can't believe how the finals did or may have not ended already. No, I mean, it's crazy how the series is going right now. I mean, it's a deep series, and you never know if, I mean, going back. I, but but you, but it was deep, but it was also shallow too, right? Like, could you see it both ways to where how it was it was both like a deep series and it was also like quick and shallow too? <laughs> By the way, they... By the way, Bradley Cooper and his wife apparently split, so. Oh, Gaga. Like opening up the door. 
Oh, it was the Guardians yeah, these, of the Galaxy money that went to his head. These finals <laughs> right now are just insane. We are recording this obviously way early. We're recording this on Friday, June seventh. So that's why we're making you know, jokes about the finals. We have no idea how any of this is ending, by the way. Um, but today we are going to be drafting. We're going to be profiling three potential draft picks for the Dallas Mavericks at thirty-seven. These guys are all pretty, pretty um, realistic. We're doing Darius Baisley, Nick Claxton, and Chuma Okiki. Chuma. Chuma Okiki. So we're doing those three guys. So if you're interested in any of those guys, or if you don't know anything about them, continue to listen because it is definitely worth it. So, Isaac, let's start right away with Darius Baisley. He's six foot nine, 209 pounds, seven foot wingspan. He's going to be 19. Uh, he was out last season. He was the guy that was going to go straight from high school to the G League. He was like, the, it was like this big story. He was the first guy that was going to go do it. Um, that was actually like a like a ranked guy that, sh- that would have been drafted. So he skipped school. He was going to go to the G League, and then he backed out of the G League, decided to do an internship with New Balance <laughs> instead, and then he is now tr- trying to be drafted now. Um, like I said in the other podcast, I take a lot of stuff from the Ringer and ESPN. I didn't do a ton of my own personal draft work, so I will give them credit for all this stuff. He, the Ringer has these one-sentence bios on these guys, and Darius, Darius Baisley says, looks the part of a super versatile ath- uh, athlete with long arms and athleticism, though his raw skills make him a gamble. Mm. Mm. He's definitely a gamble because you haven't seen him play organized basketball forever before the combine. I mean, even the combine, however you want to call that. This dude was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, one of the best players in, in, in high school basketball. I mean, a six-nine guy that can do the things that he can with the basketball, you don't see that all the time. And, you know, he, like you say, committed to Syracuse, Jim Beheim, like, you know, like, all right, they get this top recruit, they're going to be good, and then, bam, the G League thing, and then, bam, he doesn't go to G League, and <laughs> – he gets paid a million dollars, a million dollar internship at New Balance. Um, pretty good deal. Probably still not what Zion made at Duke last year, but still, uh, still pretty, pretty good chunk of change for Baisley at New Balance. He really talks a lot about uh, if you see any of his interviews, how much stuff he learned at New Balance. He went to different cities, and uh, so pretty much over the past year, this dude's been working out all on his own. And doing these individual workouts, getting ready for this NBA draft. You know, his agent is Rich Paul. He signed, he signed with uh, with those hey. guys over there. And uh, I am ninety uh, percent sure that uh, Donnie Nelson was at one of his workouts uh, back. I guess I think it was a week ago, two weeks ago, that uh, Clutch Sports put on a little um, pre-draft workout for some of their clients, and a lot of people was there for that. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was kind of the first time you got to see, uh, you saw a few clips of that in, uh, I, I think it's on YouTube and stuff too, but it was on Twitter at the time. You just saw him going through some dribbling drills. Uh, you saw him just finishing in the paint. This dude can jump. Uh, you talking about, I mean, we throw around the fluid athlete type of, uh, you know, description. He is an athlete and he, he, re- I think he really is one of the, the biggest, if not the biggest, gamble of the entire draft. Like, Bull Bull is one thing yeah. because it's an injury thing. Taco and is another thing. Taco's not a, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> like, 
the the wide range of outcomes for Bull Bull is it, it it's high too because he is super talented for his big and we didn't even mention Bull Bull with the taco thing uh, which we should because Bull Bull is just so much more skilled than than Taco but he is the biggest question mark basically is because I think there really is a world in which he is a top ten player of this draft because Ooh. he I think there is a world that that could happen. But he is such a gamble because you just haven't seen it. When you saw, you know, I think he played in a couple games at the Combine. And one of them, he was kind of lost a little bit. And he didn't, you know, like, oh, man, you kind of worries him. But then there was an, uh, it was either first or second game. But then he was making plays on that court to where you're like, you don't belong, bro. Like some of the moves and he just stood out completely different in one. It was either the first or second one that he was making some moves and plays that you're like, no, you're, you're better than this whole crop of players on the court right here. So yeah, he, he is, it's hard to really talk about his strengths and weaknesses because you just got to go back to high school. Uh, And really, I mean, if you want to watch like high school tape or high school highlights and stuff, but I think the Mitchell Robinson thing, will be very intriguing for him and his situation because you see a guy like Mitchell Robinson who was another top recruit he ends up you know he does the whole commit decommit from western you know Kentucky back to you know two years ago I guess at this point and then he didn't play a whole season and then look you know he didn't go in the first round he goes in the early second to the Knicks and what was he he was second team all NBA right or all rookie team right yeah, yeah, he made second. Mitchell Robinson. I mean, he was one of the biggest. I mean, people are talking about him right now being like a a key part of a Knicks package for Anthony Davis. You know, if that's the case, you know, if they if they do make a trade for AD, so like that's the. I think Mitchell Robinson's situation will bring a ton of intrigue to Darius Baisley in this draft, and it could vault Baisley's draft stock up a you know another handful of spots. Yeah. So the the. The strengths for Basley are a lot of the things that, that you mentioned. You know, he's incredible upside and potential. He's a good ball handler, can finish her at the rim. He's a good playmaker. So those kind of pickup games are really – they're good for those kind of players, right? The guys that can, can handle it themselves, can make plays for themselves. Uh, the tools to be a great defender, so you see it sometimes. And then the weaknesses on the other side of it, raw and inconsistent, not a good shooter, shown improvements in, in pre-draft. Um, so he, he kind of worked on that. And he's, just, he's a project, right? So he's coming in yeah. and – just th- those things you can you can make look good in one of those draft combine games. So the availability is is pretty big swing. Uh, the Ringer has him at thirty five. Draft Express, the ESPN guys have him at twenty nine. So end of the first, beginning of the second, that kind of a range. He might be there for the Mavericks. Could potentially be gone depending on what team kind of fell in love with him. Ceiling and floor for this guy, Isaac already kind of nailed that one down a little bit. Uh, the comp. The Ringer has two really weird comps for him that I did not expect. Did you look at these? I looked at one of them because one of them I actually did kind of like a little bit, but Nick a little Batum. bit more athletic. Nick Batum. I didn't like that one as much. And Bruno Caboclo. Yeah, I didn't. It was the one in the middle that I liked more. <laughs> uh, Anthony Randolph, I think, was the other one. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I liked it. I liked the <laughs> Anthony Randolph one, but a better version of that. The... I think you could see, you know, he's 18 years old. When we we joked, you know, some of these guys like Admiral Schofield are 22, uh, Basley's 18. 
And so he is, you know, he is going to be a little project guy and that you're going to have to put some time into, but that time that you put into him, he could, you know, he could develop into something. I, I think he could be something special moving forward, but it's just going to take a couple years. So, you, but what could vault him into that first round is one, that Mitchell Robinson situation last year to where those kind of the intrigue, the question, but then bam, he gets into the NBA and you're like, all right, we should have believed in the talent. We should have, you know, some of those teams at the end of the first round, you, you can't tell me that Golden State's not kicking themselves right now saying, we should have swung for Mitchell Robinson. Even though you hadn't seen him for a whole year, we should have swung for that. Some of these playoff teams. So I think you might see some of these teams like Boston who have multiple picks. Brooklyn, well, not even more. They have a pick, you know, Brooklyn's bad example. Some of these teams that <laughs> San Antonio has multiple picks in the first round. I think you might see some of these teams that have these multiple picks in the first round or even that early second round um, that could take the swing at, at, at basically for, for that price. I mean, well, price of a you know, draft pick. But I actually, if I have to guess, I don't think he'll be there for Dallas at 37. Yeah, and that the availability on, on Ringer and Draft Express says that he won't be. <laughs> you know, so probably not as realistic but could be there future role if he's in if he ends up on the mavericks he's you know bench guy and you're you're really trying to develop him he could potentially spend some time with the texas I legends think depending yeah. on depending on how the, the mavericks team the rest of the team kind of you know pans out i think you would spend some time in frisco a little bit right off the bat um because he is going to take a little bit of time um i what Dallas is going for, and I've mentioned this. I don't know the order you're going to post these pods, but what I've what I've mentioned for this 37th pick is, I think Dallas is going to look at this pick and say, we want somebody that's kind of like a the, a wing version or of Jalen Brunson, that a guy that's maybe a little bit older, a guy that can step in and lock some big you know lock some minutes right now, and a guy that can come off the bench and be a rotational type of piece right now. I don't know if Baisley's that type of guy right off the bat to where, you know, compared to somebody like an Admiral Schofield, but Baisley has a higher upside than what Schofield does. Baisley has a chance to be like a very, I think Baisley has a type of, uh, a chance to be, I mean, a, a very, very good player in the league someday to where I think Schofield could be a very, very good, you know, just a, a really good like role player. So that's the type of outcome in for Dallas. I don't know if, I think you want up more of a play now type of guy. So I don't know if Baisley's that type of guy for you. But if they did select him and said, "Hey, we'll just take the long term approach with him," I would be all down. I would be all down for it because he's got potential for sure. There you go. So that's why the Mavs should take him. Uh, why the Mavs shouldn't take him is if they want a guy like an Admiral Schofield that that we'll talk about or that we already did talk about that you know can come in and and. Be productive right now. They can come in and, and yeah. do stuff already. Uh, it's pretty straightforward for him. <laughs> I mean, he, if you if you want to believe in the potential and you have time to, to dedicate to player development, then you go ahead and swing for it. It's a swing because it could you know it could backfire too. Yeah. So there you go. That's Darius Baisley. Let's move on. When we come back, Nick Claxton. All right, Isaac. Nick Claxton. Seven foot, two hundred and seventeen pounds, and and Nerlens Noel style seven two hundred seventeen pounds. Uh, seven foot two wingspan. He's gonna be twenty at the time of the draft. Went to Georgia. The Ringers one sentence bio: a tall, lanky center who projects as a super switchable defender and versatile offensive player if he develops his jump shot. 
Uh, and that's kind of the intriguing thing about Nick Claxton. There's a, there's a bunch of different things, but he's a pretty good ball handler for his, for his size. He's a decent passer. He can shoot. He didn't shoot super well. I think he was sub 30% from three. Uh, but mm-hmm. he, he shows the, the ability to be able to, to step out, and he has that foundation to be able to shoot. So that's why the ringer says if he develops his jump shot, then all of a sudden he's this versatile offensive player that can do a bunch of different things. He has a ton of defensive potential as well. He can step out. He can guard a bunch of different positions. And uh, that's where you really – that's that's one of the, the big strengths for him. It's weird in, in some of these you know, these two pods that we're talking about, three prospects each, that we're going to be talking about four uh, four SEC guys uh, with Schofield and Claxton. We'll talk about an, another well, – actually, three. I guess it's three. My bad. I can't count. But um, Nick Claxton is such an interesting – storyline because he wasn't on a lot of people's draft boards you know I mean as far as like mock drafts you know and back you know if you go like a couple months ago Nick Claxton wasn't a guy that was really uh, being talked about a ton I mean it was like second round stuff and then as the season went along how Georgia used him was remarkable because this dude is 6'11 but they freaking ran everything through him. This dude was like running point for them a lot of the times. Like you go, you watch some of these Georgia games. It's 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 kind of unreal because you got this big guy. I mean, just picture in the Nerland, picture a Nerlens Noel type of body frame running a point guard type of ISO system at Georgia, and it it was super weird. But he could he's so like. <laughs> He's so kind of lanky and stuff. He was pulling off some of these moves. He's got a Euro step already. He is one of my, I'm not going to lie. He's one of my favorite, like, upping, like, rising prospects the more I research him and look into him. He's one of your favorite non-UNC prospects. There you go. There you go. That could be a steal. (laughs) Um, You know, our our buddy uh, Charks, our buddy Charks has him 10 on his draft board. 10. Uh, That's... uh, that's wild. Um, you know, having him above, I think where it, Charks is already there. I don't know if I'm there yet with him as far as saying that because a lot of people have already penciled in like Jackson Hayes from Texas as one of, you know, that that next big, you know, in the draft and that that's who some teams could target and stuff. Like Charks has him over Jackson Hayes, has Nick Claxton over Hayes. That's big. I mean, I, you don't see that a lot on some of these, you know, some people's draft boards and stuff, but what he can do, he has a 7-2 wingspan. He averaged two and a half blocks a game at Georgia. You talked about his defensive versatility. Uh, he is really springy, uh, the 6-11. But, yeah, I mean, it's his – he was second team all SEC last year. But it's what it, – his body frame is kind of what scares you a little bit. Yeah, which leads me to the weaknesses. He's thin, and he gets pushed around a lot. I mean, 217, yeah. I think Nerlens was what, 7 foot, like 206, 205, something like that. <laughs> Um, so he, he was, <laughs> he was, uh, he's, he's very thin. So he has to, he definitely have to fill out. However, there's not a ton of bigs in the NBA that, you know, are really going to push you around too much. I mean, you can, you can start naming them, but guys that you're really nervous about, like Joel Embiid, Jokic, I mean, Towns, I guess a little bit. Yeah. There's not a ton of guys like that, but you know, still a weakness in and of itself. Uh, the shooting you can't say you can't necessarily say it's a strength to say that he is a three point shooter, right? So that that is a weakness. Like if he's going to come into the NBA, he's going to need to develop that, and so it's a weakness for a team. He's going to come in and, and take a bunch of three point shots, and he's going to miss a ton of three point shots as he develops this shot. But but this is and also I'll take it for him in this point. This is also where you can't look at shooting stats and say that 
it, it tells everything because Georgia didn't have a traditional point guard. They didn't have a guard to set to run their offense and to set everything up. He was their point guard a ton of the time. So that does affect your shooting percentages when you got a guy like that who could shoot an open three and probably should have more catch and shoot opportunities, but he just didn't have the guard to do that. So when you're when you are taking it's kind of like Luca towards the end of last year when Luca was just hoisting up a lot of you know bad shots, a lot of threes, different type of shots, his percentages went down some. I think you get a little bit of that with Nick Claxton, but put him with another point guard. You know, alongside of him and put him in a role that he should be playing, I think he would, he would shoot the ball a lot better. I was going to say, Luca wishes that he was 217 by the end of last season. <laughs> He's got a couple abs by now. Uh, um, availability, the ringer has him at 42. Obviously, Charks has him a little bit higher than the other two guys, but the ringer collective mock draft has him at 42. The draft express guys for ESPN have him at 31. That's a decent, mm. that's a decent range there. Uh, he could be available for the Mavericks. The NBA comp, that the the ringer has is shades of Al Horford and Mason Plumley. I don't know what I don't honestly I don't know what kind of comp to give him. Those because are so it, weird to me. Because <laughs> so even different like the players, like the Mason Plumley one, like he handles the ball better than Mason Plumley, and so like I but I I kind of get the Al Horford thing, but I. I I don't like anybody comparing people to Al Horford because I think he's just such a unique big guy. Um, but but even but even Claxton I think is faster than Horford. Like he's more of a, I don't know. It's weird. He's he's a lot skinnier than Horford. It, I just I honestly I didn't have I didn't write down a comp for this one. I just don't know where to like pencil him. In. He just has a bunch of different things from a bunch of different players, and it's just weird. But he's not like super like he's not excellent at any of those things. To where it's weird. I don't know. What if you? What if he was a Durant that can't shoot? <laughs> okay. Durant would take away the jumper from Durant because you got the same kind of build. Yeah. I think the when he came into the Georgia, passing, the defensive potential, like all that kind of stuff. When but he, he came into shoot. Georgia, I think people threw that name out there because of his like being six yeah. eleven. He, he's lanky and he did handle the ball and you know, the shot and all this stuff. But he, he's, yeah, he's, he's just not that, but <laughs> Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know where to, where to pinpoint for him, but he is going up a lot of draft boards. There's a ton of buzz about him right now, and yeah, it wouldn't shock me if he's a late teen twenties type of pick. If he falls, if he falls past Dallas, I would be shocked. Why the Mavs should take him because of that potential? Because of the, I mean, putting him with Porzingis, if he can eventually develop a shot, and hopefully playing with Porzingis and Luca would help him, you know. With that shot, like you said, he didn't play with a traditional point guard. He might not play with a traditional point guard again <laughs> if he joins the Mavericks because he's going to be playing with with Luca. Um, but the defensive potential, the ability to you know to have two guys that can block shots like that would be would be interesting. Um, that's why the Mavs should take him. The defensive potential, potential to to be uh, a good shooter eventually. Yeah, I'll combine this with why they shouldn't take him. I, I think, it, yeah, if you think he could be a better long-term um, big man type of prospect than Maxi, I think maybe you think about it a little bit. Um, well, he's like he's like seven years younger than Maxi. He is, yeah, yeah, he's seven years younger. Um, but it, it, yeah, it, it's just a weird fit drafting somebody. And especially the names that are there, as far as for big men at the thirty seventh spot, um, that it kind of com- would confuse me a little bit. I guess it just depend on who it would be because you are bringing back Dwight Powell, you have KP. We've talked about this bullpen thing a lot. Uh, unless 
I think the next guy, if they're if they're bringing back Salah and if they try to bring back Maxi too, I think the you know I think if you do add another big to that bullpen of those guys, I think it needs to be a banger type of guy, like a free agent, maybe an Ed Davis, something like that. So the moment you add a skinny, another skinny guy like a Nick Claxton, super fun upside. I love him as a prospect. I just don't know if he's gonna. He would get his time in Dallas to really show what he could do. And he, yeah. And at 37, you're not expecting to get a guy that comes in and contributes right away. I mean, you might, you might get a guy like that, but you're not really. Expecting I think, but I think that's what they're gonna shoot for, though. A, a guy that could possibly be that type of guy, like Brunson was last year. I think they could look for an older guy like that. Yeah, and if you're drafting Nick Claxton, then that's not your mindset. So then maybe they don't draft him. Yeah, not for the Mavs, but if another team's through there and they're like, hey, we'll swing for We'll take a Mitchell Robinson-type swing and give him some minutes. If he gets an opportunity like Mitchell Robinson got for the Knicks last year, I think you could see something really fun next year. There you go. All right, let's take another break. When we come back, Chuma Okiki. Chuma, Chuma, Chuma. All right, Isaac. Chuma Okiki. He is 6'8", 230, seven-foot wingspan. He's going to be almost 21 by the – time of the draft he went to auburn last year uh, and the ringers one sentence bio on him hustling defender who offers complimentary offensive skills as a spot-up shooter and passer it's pretty vague <laughs> um strengths good three-point shooter good defender i mean those are the two things that you'd really point out in his game yeah okiki man <laughs> so Auburn made you know made this big time run in the NCAA tournament this past year. You know they, they make it to the Final Four, but you know they they're in the Elite Eight and they're they're going against uh, North Carolina. And I'm super hyped with this Carolina team with Cam Johnson, Kobe White, and everybody. And Okiki Okiki was their best player. Auburn's best player. I mean on both sides of the floor, he was guarding Cam Johnson, and man, he goes down and he tears his ACL. And you hate it for like I hated that for him. I hate when any college player gets hurt like that, especially a guy that is projected. I mean, at that point, he was projected as a first rounder for sure because uh, of just the type of player he is. So then he goes down to his ACL. I think that I'm like, okay, well, another another mindset. I'm like, their best player just went down. Carolina should win this game. They didn't win the game. Auburn still won, but the whole thing was about Okiki and. It sucks now because wherever he gets drafted, he's not going to be ready. He's not going to be ready for a while because he tore his ACL in March. So he's not going to be playing at the beginning of the season. He's probably at least setting out the first half of his rookie season, uh, you know, at least. So you have to be a big believer that he's going to be, you know, a guy that's going to get back to where he was before. But you said it right. I mean, he's 6'8". I forgot. What? How, How much does he weigh? 230. 230. He is your three and D type of guy. I love this guy. He's going to be 21. Uh, kind of the same things that I said about Admiral Schofield is the same thing I'm going to say about Chumo Kiki. I think he could be your wing type of Jalen Brunson guy who shot, you know, he shot 38% from three last year. Uh, he played in the SEC. It's not the same as the AC, ACC, but I mean, it's still you know, a pretty good conference. Um, but yeah, I, I'm all in on Kiki as long as. It's kind of one of those things where if, if the Mavericks draft him, then they have did their homework with the ACL, and they're pretty confident that's going to come back fully healthy. And that I'm all about that because I loved him as a prospect. And if it wasn't for the ACL, he would probably be a late teens draft pick. Interesting. 
Interesting. The, I think I think so. At least in the twenties. For availability, the ringer has has it has him. Has him? Has him. Have some. They have him at thirty nine and the Draft Express guys at ESPN have him at forty one. Um, mm. which is obviously right below the Mavericks. Ceiling and floor for this guy, obviously like like Isaac said, if he wasn't injured, maybe he'd probably go a lot higher. Um NBA comp. The ringer has him as, as Robert Covington and Mo Harkless. I like the Robert Covington comp. I do like that a lot. Yeah, those are those are interesting ones. Again, you you you're three and D kind of guy. Weaknesses that the ringer had I found were kind of interesting. Slow slow release on his shot. Not a great athlete. Not very quick. Below the rim kind of player. Not a great handle. Which again, like we've said again and again about these three and D prospects, you have to know what you get coming in. <laughs> you know, you have to know what kind of guy you're getting, and you wouldn't expect him to be, you know, a guy that would handle the ball and to, to do those kinds of things. Yes, we we have preached this a ton on this podcast, and it goes to the top of the draft too. That you want guys who can play a particular role. In, in in particular, you look at these second round picks, and what makes Draymond Green so special for Golden State is he bought into the role that he is. And you find these guys, you find these guys like Jalen Brunson, and says, "Hey, this is my role. Whatever role you make it be, I'm going to do this." You find their strengths, and you try to try to maximize those strengths. Okiki, his strengths is playing defense. He can guard both forward positions, but he can also shoot the three really well. So, like, you want to maximize that to be a a, a good role player. So that's the you can never ha- we we've said this a thousand times before. You can never have enough <laughs> of these guys for his measurements and stuff. And I mean, three and D guys when it gets around the lower twenties, these thirties, there's a ton of these guys, and it's hard to really separate a lot of these guys. The Schofields, Okikis. I mean, you can go down the you know, go down the line of these quote three and D type of guys that are going to be there, and it's really going to be you know. I was a beauty in the eye of the beholder for whoever drafts, you know, whoever through there because good luck separating some of these guys. And it's just going to be what team likes what, which guy. And for Okiki, it's just a matter of finding a team that says, Hey, we're believer in your talent before that injury. We th- we're willing to just give you the time. We're, we're drafting you not to have you make an impact this year. One, you're a rookie. Let's just focus on your recovery. Year one are the rest of the teams fine. And then let's, you know, you're probably going to focus for Okiki. You're going to focus on him being ready for year two and being 100%. And hopefully he could be a key, like a rotational piece off the bench at that point. So I like, he's older. He's the 20, you know, 21, like we said. So I like Okiki a lot. Yep. But from all you just said, that's why the Mavs wouldn't take him. I mean, you kind of gave exactly, the yeah. reasons why they would take him, but why they wouldn't is because they want a guy that, that can come in and contribute right now. And he's not going to be that because of his injury, which you know, it's hard to hold against a guy, but when you need to have production on the court and they want that from 37, then that's why the Mavs wouldn't take him. For sure. For sure. I mean, and, you know, he stayed in the draft, too. You know, he played two years in college. Uh, he was kind of bored, kind of like Nick Claxton, too. Nick Claxton was 50-50. I mean, a lot of people didn't know if he was going to stay in the draft or not. And him and Okiki, I think Okiki, well, the difference between Claxton is Claxton, you know, went and, you know, everybody was super hyped about him and there's a lot of buzz around him. So, yeah, of course, he kept his name in the draft because he's going up draft boards. Okiki declined to even do any combine stuff and said, hey, I'm staying in the draft. I'm keeping my name in there. So, you know, him and his agent must feel some type of confidence that there's teams interested in him probably in the early second somewhere around that range that they're they're willing to take the shot at him despite the acl injury for him to keep his name in there right now there you go that's chuma okiki as well as darius basley and nick claxton let us know what you think about it tweet us at nick van exit at lockdown maps at isaac l harris 
There you go. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Maps. Peace out. Boom.